Welcome to The Social Universe, a podcast by PhD students about society, politics and the academic universe. Ranging from what it's like to be a PhD student in the social sciences to how we understand and navigate things that are happening in the world around us. I'm Kate and I'm a third year politics PhD student. I'm B, and I'm currently a second year PhD student based in sociology and social policy. And I'm Ben and I'm a second year sociology of work PhD. Welcome to our episode on life under coronavirus. We've had a bit of a pause in podcasting because of the virus. It's made it challenging to record new pods, both on a practical level, in terms of being physically separated and getting our equipment set up, but also because managing day-to-day life under lockdown has had to be our priority for a while. But now we have settled into this new way of being enough to plan some pods and get our microphones working, we thought a good place to start would be a more personal chat about how we're managing the situation. We hope it'll be helpful to hear how we're getting on, as no doubt we're all feeling a lot of the same anxieties and stresses at the moment, but also to share our different experiences. Ben has been facing the challenges of looking after a baby under lockdown, while Bee has had to contend with the rescheduling of her wedding. All this while we're all expected to carry on with our PhDs. So, to start off, how are we all doing? Um, I'm okay. Uh, Right today, um, it's a bit... The confusing thing for me is that I've had like quite a big change today where a lot of things that have been up in the air just recently have settled down. And so today I've been really productive and I'm getting a lot of PhD stuff done, but that's not been necessarily the experience up until now. (laughs) So it's a bit weird to answer, but I'm okay. How are you, Kate? (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay too. I think I was really struggling with it when it all first started off um but I think I've been doing pretty good really and the last week or so has been a bit more challenging partly because one of my friends is um a doctor and I was talking to her about how she's been getting on and that was pretty hard to hear about um and so I think it's brought it all home to be a bit more because it's quite easy to be sheltered in your little bubble um but I've kind of you know moved on a bit and now I'm I'm doing all right (laughs) how about you Ben? Yeah, regarding COVID, I was um, petrified at first, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I've um, put that to the back of my mind and I'm in- enjoying life. Um, <laughs> and I, as, you, as you mentioned, like having a one-year-old uh, to look after really um, sets your routine uh, and distracts you very nicely. So, I, yeah, I guess I'm okay. That's good. I'm glad we're all doing okay. <laughs> so... Uh, what has been the biggest challenge of lockdown life for you both? Well, yeah, as I say, the baby. So <laughs> I um, like we're, we're supposed to carry on with our, our P- I mean, this is huge, right? I've seen this on Twitter all the time, uh, you know, academic staff and PhD students with kids just not getting anything done. I have, um, I have the evenings and I have when Matilda naps um and the odd hour uh where I can and I guess uh my wife has to give me the time to do my interviews because I'm I'm doing interviews right now so um yeah very little pr- productive work being done other than actually recording the interviews and and um they're all they're all on video chat now that's the biggest challenge mm-hmm. so is that a big change from where you were before so, you know, as, as lockdown started, I got ethics approval to start my interviews. So um, 
it's all been under lockdown and it's difficult to to like see how it was before and how it is now because I was doing my ethics approval and all that sort of thing prior to lockdown. So um, it's definitely a new phase. Um, I'm definitely not being as productive um, uh, in terms of my work um, rate. But I guess what I'm producing, the the interviews is is more useful for the for the PhD overall. Mm-hmm. What about teaching? So I know you've been doing some teaching this week as well. Yeah, well, B and I are both on the same uh, under uh, first year sociology module, and yeah, I've been yeah I've been doing online seminars on Teams on Microsoft Teams. Shout out Microsoft! It's pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I've been yeah, Ben's doing... been the guinea pig because basically uh, he's done the first two seminars and I'm doing the second two seminars, aka the ones that fall after his. So he's like <laughs> massively done all the learning and I'm just riding on the back of his learning. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> Thanks, yeah, it'd be fine. I'm, I'm great at this sort of tech stuff. And then I started, I pressed go and I had 13 um, students and then all the controls disappeared. And I was like, how the fuck do I record this? And where? how do I get, share the screen and all that sort of thing? So the first one went pretty badly. Like I didn't set it up so they could use the chat function. And anyway, <laughs> but yesterday when I did the second one, it was pretty good and it was recorded. So all my misinterpretations of post-colonialism and Edward Said have been recorded forever. Um, and so if anyone from Southampton decides to look that up before giving me a, new, a job in the future, then I'm in trouble. or i was brilliant i don't know i'm sure you were brilliant (laughs) what about you b what's been your biggest challenge uh it's tricky it's a tricky question i think because i'm a sucker for wanting to answer things correctly (laughs) and so in my head i'm like oh what has been the biggest one that was challenging but was it more challenging than this i don't know (laughs) so i suppose not that we overthink things (laughs) yes exactly so i think i'll just give you an array of challenges Mm -hmm. uh but without trying to be too depressing um and also i think it's changed a lot like i think you've all kind of mentioned like throughout the process i suppose so for me actually the first week and a half was quite weird because i was sick and so we were we were like self-isolating before the kind of UK went into lockdown anyway so we were in a sense already locked down and um I was quite ill and it took me quite a while to recover but I also was quite exhausted from the kind of things I've been involved in immediately before so there'd been the the, the UCU strikes which kind of coincided with that so I was pretty ill and really tired so really the beginning was me trying to now in hindsight I'm like okay B why did you even try and work you should have just taken like two weeks off and no one would have noticed (laughs) but I was still like trying to do work whilst also feeling really ill and a bit sorry for myself and my housemates um were self-isolating because I was ill but they didn't have any symptoms and so um they were like having a great time they were really hot my housemate made like a musical instrument in the garden. They like completely like like did loads and loads of like work on the garden and the house, and they were just like having a great time. And I was just like, I feel so miserable. Um, I'm just going to remove my cat from <laughs> my desk. <laughs> this is one so of the classic challenges. Of my, I'm like, yeah. she might be yeah. purring all over the microphone. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, originally I was quite tired and quite ill and all those feelings. And then and then really the biggest impact has been shifting my research because I think we're going to talk about this in a different pod. But um, yeah, my research has been quite affected, both in terms of what I can do, because I'm supposed to be collecting data, but also my actual topic. And so it's been really wrapped up with figuring out what I'm going to do with my PhD. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. And I was supposed to get married. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little thing. <laughs> and I had my birthday in lockdown what about your challenges Kate uh yeah so I think my challenges have not been as big as yours because I don't have a baby or a fiance um but I well to start off with a bit slightly later than Ben but before the lockdown started I was really upset about all of this and found it really really hard um so that was that was pretty tough but I think since then uh motivation has been a been a real challenge i've like the last week or so particularly because i've been doing some statistics and i i don't find them easy uh i have been really struggling to be motivated because i basically had to sit down with a massive stats textbook and just read it and when there's like chaos going on in the world around you and you have to sit and read the stats textbook it's really hard to just focus um so yeah that's been It's been hard, but I also can't really complain because I think that in general, I've had it quite easy and I work from home all the time anyway. And now it just means that my partner's at home with me and he's working from home too. So I've got a bit of company and I don't know, I think my challenges have not been that great. (laughs) Um, So you've already sort of mentioned this, Ben, but um, is there anything that you've actually enjoyed about this experience so far that maybe you didn't expect? Uh, yeah, well, the um, I think we were talking before we started recording, but the 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 weather's been great. I live in a nice village, and we've got nice walks. There's been so many bees around and birds going mad. My we bought a little rucksack for my daughter, so she's in there back, loving loving going into the forest. And I would be wouldn't be doing that half as much as if if I wasn't on lockdown. However. Uh, I think I think it, that's great as long as you ignore the 40,000 deaths. Uh, so, you know, I feel guilty uh, enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, you have, it's such a mental load. I just, you just have to, you have to just look out for yourself and your family because you go mad. Like my brother, my brother's a GP uh, in Devon and he's, he's not, because he's a GP, not many people are going to the surgery. So he's, out of it but we're obviously worried about him and the PPE situation uh yeah and obviously lots of horrible illnesses and deaths so uh yeah park that I'm having a great time at home um, <laughs> and my vegetables have come up nicely uh, I've got loads of new shoots coming up from my vegetable patch so that's that's wonderful yeah me too I've never grown any plants before I'm usually one to kill plants but I've got loads of veggies growing and it is absolutely thrilling i am living vicariously through them every day me and my partner are like should we go see the boys and i i apologize for calling them boys i don't know why they're boys but they are um <laughs> so, and they're like, like a they <laughs> no they're not um but they're, they're like our kids and so i'm like oh look how much they've grown <laughs> but it's great i absolutely love it it's the only thing going on in my life at the moment <laughs> what's your favorite vegetable you're growing Oh, it's got to be the courgettes. Ours came up today, actually. Yeah, we, 
we tried some originally and they didn't grow, but we had loads left over, loads of seeds. We were like, let's just plant some more. And they came up within like a day. So it was thrilling. And they've they've grown so tall. <laughs> Sorry, I oh, really wow. am like a proud mum. Yeah, yeah, no, because it's a podcast, you can't see Kate's face, but she <laughs> is glowing with pride <laughs> like no one I've ever seen. Um, our radishes are nearly ready. So what, like edible? Yeah, they, they grow really, really quickly. You have to kind of grow them every, like, plant them every, like, two weeks, so you have, like, a constant stream. Oh, right. Because there's, like, loads already. And our strawberries are all nearly, they're, like, starting to grow. Wow. Because got... they've got flowers and they've just grown. Yeah, we've got one flower on our one strawberry plant, so we're going to have one strawberry. Um, oh, it'd be I'm such sure a love strawberry. By this. Well, I, I just planted like 10 times as many seeds in each space as I should have done. So I've got like 100 tomato plants now, mm-hmm. which is obviously a big excessive. Here's a weakness of mine that you're both probably already knew, but in case you didn't, I'm revealing to you and the world. You know how you're supposed to overplant and then you thin them out? Hmm. I really feel for all of them and I don't like killing any off and so I then just replant them elsewhere in the garden and this led to a real situation when I was a teenager and I rescued some leeks from a garden centre <laughs> and um, I, plant- I planted them in every pot in the hanging basket like literally everywhere because I just really felt for them they're plants but I just don't want to decide that they're weak it just feels so harsh Agreed. <laughs> anyway, uh, there we go. I definitely agree, though, in terms of like this this thing. I think you know, there's been bits about the experience I've enjoyed too, and I think that is also a challenge is to kind of get that in proportion because it feels like Ben was saying. There's a lot of guilt around, you know, if you've had a good day, and if you share that, and if you share that online or with others, it can feel like you're really, yeah, a lot of maybe shame around that and. But then it's also totally impossible to kind of fully comprehend at all times the scale of what's happening. And we're all quite political and quite aware as well. So it's very bad for mental health in general to be continuously aware of, you know, all of the frustrations and anger and kind of inequality and stuff that's happening in the situation. So I found that quite a difficult balance. Um, to manage but then the bits I've enjoyed (laughs) is that I'm really (laughs) anti-social and I love that I don't have to go out (laughs) I love that there's not I don't have to try and like someone got me a sticker for my birthday which says sorry I'm late I didn't want to come (laughs) 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 which is me all over um and so in a way I think it's it's not actually been easy because lots of time with your own self and it isn't necessarily a comfortable process, but I think it's been necessary for me and I've enjoyed spending lots of time in the garden and, um, yeah, being outside reading and stuff. And I just feel so privileged that we've got a garden. Like I, I just right from the very beginning, cause we've had such nice weather. I've just been like so aware of that distinction and how different the lockdown experiences between people that have got gardens and haven't. Um, yeah, and then the final other thing that I'm really enjoying, and again, listeners, I'm not painting myself as a cool person here, I've been bird watching and I flipping love it. <laughs> and not only have I been bird watching, but we have some starlings that are nesting in a hole in our wall, which we keep saying we're going to patch up and then we don't, and then they nest and then we let them do it. Um, and so we've changed bedrooms since last year, and so now our bedroom window is like in the flight path. 
And like every two minutes for the last two weeks, these starlings have been like coming in, feeding, leaving again. Um, and every time I go to the toilet, I can hear all the chicks like going. Oh, that's great. Um, and they're, they're probably going to fledge this week. It's very, very, very soon that they're going to go and then that'll be quiet for another year. But um, yeah, I've been really overly invested in that and them. Well, um, I've been not bird watching, but I've been tree watching. Is that a thing? Like, I don't know <laughs> no. what that tree is. Well, that's an oak. What's that tree? It's probably a sycamore. I don't know. So I'm getting into trees. Yeah, me too. It was, yeah. it was quite funny. I was in the park um, with Corus, my partner, the other day, and I said something. I can't even remember what it was. But it, it I think... I think for some reason it was in a different language. I don't know why. Anyway, I was pointing at a tree as I did it. It wasn't related to the tree, but Chorus assumed I was telling him the Latin name for the tree. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, was, I was very pleased that he thought I might be capable of that. <laughs> but I'm like you, Ben, I'm quite enjoying, if like that situation aside, I'm quite enjoying like learning plants and stuff because suddenly yeah. I'm paying a lot more attention to that kind of thing and it's good. But I was going to pick up on something you said there, Be like, I think we are, it's right to acknowledge what a massive privilege it is to have a garden because I do, and it's not massive, but it's, it is a garden and so many people don't have that. So the fact that we have seed babies um, is, you know, something that some people won't have. So I think it's, it is hard to kind of not feel guilty, but also to acknowledge that we are lucky, I suppose like getting that balance right is difficult do you know um getting to get balanced i was so uh my mind was so obsessed with the phd before and i was going into work which was a 40 mile round trip or 34 mile cycle um and i was really not coping mentally very well with it then because maybe the stage i was in doing my ethics and stuff so lockdown is like rebalanced me in a much better way i mean I, i've said before like i'm not doing enough work but i just feel better mentally mm-hmm. so that's a surprising enjoyment thing yeah well so that was gonna be my next question is there anything that has surprised you um so has there been anything that surprised you be about this experience my wedding and everything that happened with that i was being open to the feelings I might have and like not I'm I generally try and bury feelings but I did try and let myself feel things but actually I genuinely I feel like I managed that whole thing a lot better than I thought I might and um and also my birthday was actually a really good day and so they were kind of surprising because I thought they'd be maybe sad or kind of difficult things which actually were okay and I I think a lot of that is because of I don't know, maybe I'm, well, I don't know, I'm just amazing. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> that not is the true, reason. I agree. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the reason. I think, I think it's just like because of how when it, got, it got to the point where it was so clear that our wedding was not going to be what we had expected. Um, and so like my fiance's mum has got MS, so she was, she's shielding and lots of our family members have got immune disorders and stuff and the more people weren't going to be there combined with like the escalating risks that I was aware of, I guess, through the research, it just felt like we made the decision before the decision was made for us. And I think that helped. And it also meant that we had a good couple of weeks to kind of uh, change, like shift our expectations, I suppose. And so when the day came, it was kind of like, oh yeah, 
that's not happening anymore and it that felt like the right thing so I think that helped a lot um so that was that was all fine and then I my, we were meant to be getting married on my birthday and so then it was a bit like oh gosh I'm I'm not very good with birthdays anyway and now this was supposed to be my wedding day but instead I'm on in lockdown this isn't going to be a fun day but it was actually really really nice we went on a really nice cycle ride um there was lovely bluebells there was no pressure because I couldn't go out anywhere so there was no FOMO there was no like oh where should I go out to eat who should I invite should I go for drinks afterwards like who's gonna come or I don't know any of those sorts of issues aren't issues it's just like well we're just gonna make the most of it and so I think probably what the the surprising part is that a lack of choice is actually quite good yeah I think your expectations change so now I'm like thrilled by plants where normally I probably would be a little excited (laughs) not coming alive by them um i mean you kate were saying weren't we like whenever someone comes back from the shops it's like the wanderer returns what goods have you bought me and it's so excited about like what they've brought back from the shop like yeah Yeah. the second time cora went shopping i think he he went in the middle of the day so i was expecting him to struggle more because i thought it was gonna be busier and stuff and he came up with all this food and i was like oh my God, this is incredible. Look at all the food. <laughs> and it made me so happy. Whereas normally I'd come back from the supermarket and be like, yeah, I'll have to put the food away. Like, couldn't care less. But yeah, so you definitely appreciate stuff that you wouldn't normally appreciate. <laughs> like our ridiculous cupboard full of toilet roll. You still got stashed toilet roll. Yeah, which I'm resentful of. I did not agree to stashing toilet roll, but my boyfriend's dad gave it to us. So. <laughs> Fair enough. He hoarded for you. Yes. You're a... Uh, what's the word when you're a like assistant in crime accomplice you're an accomplice to yeah. recording <laughs> yeah unintentionally though i was dragged into it against uh, my that's will what they all say that's <laughs> what they all say no pressure hmm. <laughs> how are your toilet roll supplies actually not brilliant but i i'm, I'm scared to talk about it um <laughs> in case my housemates can hear me so we won't go there all I'll say is that the only argument that's happened in lockdown so far has been around toilet roll. <laughs> and Josh only bringing back a very limited amount, which he thought was an acceptable amount for us for a week and was not in keeping with how much we're actually using. Right. So, anyway, <laughs> we're fine now. Yeah, we stashed 40 at the start. And oh, we just ben. finished them. I don't even know if we finished them. Yeah, it was like... Because I could see it coming, so I was stashing everything like a little bit at a time. But then everyone was stashing a little bit at a time, and that just broke the supply chains. So it wasn't like most people were going in with uh, pallet loads of, you know, buying pallet loads of bog roll. Just everyone bought one more than normal, and then people were left with nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. What did I find surprising? I think it's surprising how most people are coping well with it and adhering to this and maybe people are enjoying their slower lives now. And has it opened up a space to, for people to see alternatives in the future? Like the air's cleaner. Um, people are chatting more. Will this change things? Is that surprising? I don't know. I think it's definitely made me reflect on um, the future of politics because it feels like this could be the start of a really big change. A bit like after the Second World War when, um, you know, we had the NHS and there was there was actually a lot more equality at that point because people were 
actually in it together, which is a phrase mm. I hate, but they more or less were. Um, and yeah, I think there's a potential for things to change again now, like in quite a radical way, but will it happen? Will, will Keir Starmer do that for us? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could have seen Ben's face then. <laughs> I don't think he thinks he will. <laughs> I suppose there's aspects of this kind of whole experience and crisis that we wouldn't have predicted like not that long ago and like things which are now normal so like the Thursday clap for example mm-hmm. um you know like developed quite organically in a way um and they they've been kind of moment, like I was surprisingly emotional at the first one of those mm, um and I think a few people were and there's other things throughout this whole period that have been yeah, surprisingly emotional. There's like the obviously emotional things and then there's the things which just kind of get to you or um, you're touched by. And, and that seems to have happened on a, a national level with like, you know, the, the fundraisers and stuff where certain people have really resonated. And I, I definitely agree that there's a sense of kind of thinking about the future and the area that I'm working in. There's so many different innovations being made in the public sector to respond to people's needs and to kind of find ways of delivering services remotely and stuff that I don't think it's possible for us to go back. I think, you know, whatever the post-COVID is, it's not going to be just going back to normal. Um, For many people, it can't go back to normal because, you know, people in their life aren't there and stuff. Um, So there's going to be like long-term impacts, but I think I'm less optimistic about the kind of comparisons with the post-war period. At first I had them because it was like, you know, that sense of the last big crisis and it's an opportunity to rebuild. But where I think it's so different is that the developing financial crisis is much more going to be like a, well, it looks like it's going to be, well, it's not a question of how, when or if, it's like how long for and how deep. And it looks like it could be much more of a depression, which would bring us much more into the 1930s territory or probably more like the post-First World War in terms of like debts and Spanish flu and the impact. So, I think it's like, I think it's really helpful to know that like when we've had crises before, we've rallied and we've overcome and we've rebuilt in a way that's made life better. And I definitely think that's true. But I think it's also being prepared that that might involve an awful, awful lot of struggle and a lot of um, longer term social and economic consequences in the short term, which I know is really bleak. But Well, yeah, I mean, I do agree, actually, that, um, you know, you've already got the Daily Mail slagging off nurses so I think people will try and put us back in our box and uh, turn us against each other once again, you know, uh, keep the NHS privatised or whatever. Um, but yeah, we've got a push for maybe like just cancelling all this debt. Like who do we owe it to? It's going to be a struggle. I, uh, yeah. And I mean, but this isn't necessarily the topic of today, but as we're all kind of politically aware and active in various ways and kind of engaged in these sorts of questions I suppose it's inevitable we'll talk about it but I think what the difference is is that we've known for a long time for example that casualization in universities is a bad thing and we've been you know striking and, and campaigning about that but to some extent when it's an individual issue someone might individually be affected and know that they're having a bad time but it's their own experience and other people will say well I know but I like want the work and you know I'm grateful for it and then when you suddenly have an experience of like half of the population losing their hours because of the zero hours contracts or whatever then it's not just an individual experience it's a collective one and I think for for so many of us right now we're having this shared collective experience which 
will have long-term like profound and then yeah like you were saying about the second world war katie like the long-term impact of like rationing on the mindsets of like particularly children that grew up then like i think it, it can't not have an impact basically so it's then how that plays out which is not yet written mm-hmm. i feel that um we need someone to run with that na- a narrative of like the bad phrase we're all in it together um, but I can't see who's going to pick that up and be uh, a good vehicle for social change based on that, you know, the sort of groundswell of solidarity. I feel like it would just go back to divide and rule, sadly. Sorry for being negative. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I'm so into it, but I'm also like, I don't want to take us too far off topic because yeah, these are things I've been thinking about. This has been a big part of my lockdown experience is making sense of things socially, politically, Mm. and then planning. And yeah, we need leadership. That is important to help lead us through. I think I've not reflected on this as much as you two. Um, And I think that's partly because I kind of got the vaguely optimistic feelings at the start of maybe things can be better. Um, And then I've actually done a lot of blocking out of what's been going on since then. So I haven't thought it through as much as you two clearly have. Um, But I think that in itself is kind of interesting. And actually, one thing I, I do feel is on a much broader level that what we're kind of saying is that there's a bit of a vacuum at the moment of leadership and Um, it feels like things can actually be influenced right now, even the Conservative government, because no one knows what they're doing. And it is that like everyone is looking for someone to help them, (laughs) as in like they need guidance, they need information. And so there is a, like on a more positive note, I feel like there's a possibility that things can be influenced. But exactly how we do that and who? (laughs) Yeah, there was was a... um the government asked universities for people to join SAGE, that advisory group. Mm. Like, how do we get on that? Can PhDs <laughs> get on that? I've got some things to say. I don't think so. I, I actually, I won't share the detail, but I'm privy to some information about SAGE that members of the public are not because of my old civil service role. And um, let's just say, Ben, I don't think you're eligible. <laughs> no, you got to be... Um... I, think, I think you have to be very, very senior. <laughs> Uh, this makes me angry. We're going to have to, we're going to have to maybe do some sort of separate pod on this because on the one hand, universities are being turned to as they should be for generating research and knowledge about what's happening to inform government, to inform parliament in their scrutiny role, to help businesses and whoever else to kind of get by. But at the very same time, universities are putting together massive packages of redundancies and cost savings because of the expected uh 2.5 billion funding hole that comes from tuition fee losses next year and it's just completely i mean it makes me so (laughs) it's just such a hypocrisy because yeah we should have a national education and research service not what we currently have in my opinion Mm -hmm. and it's just showing all of the shortages of that like completely like just yeah massively and it makes me scared and a bit angry that yeah we're facing 60,000 job losses in the sector and also in the kind of supply chain for the sector just in the next I know six months if more money isn't found and at the same time 
institutions are like literally doing clinical trials testing vaccines creating special machinery doing all of the kind of social research like projects on supporting safeguarding and stuff like what what i'm doing it's just like come on people this is ridiculous no rant (laughs) very good points yeah it's it's systemic isn't it the whole anyway fucking capitalism man (laughs) or this version Um, well, you knew we were going to get here, Kate. You knew we would get here. Yeah. We're like, let's have a personal thing and about how we're all thing. doing. <laughs> and what we're really doing is, if you're B, is on the one hand, gardening and watching the starlings and really enjoying not having to leave the house because I'm really socially reclusive. But on the other hand, getting existentially stressed and not sleeping and having nightmares about <laughs> the state of the world and all of the potentials that there are and trying to make a judgment call as to whether it's a favourable or unfavourable situation. Obviously, it's unfavourable, but... Well, some good news. My existential dread about climate breakdown has receded into the background while my existential dread about pandemics has come to the fore, so... Is that good news? Yeah, <laughs> Which do you take prefer? it to break in the clouds. <laughs> I prefer pandemic to... Well, they're, they're both still here, so it's all... Oh, no, I've started thinking about it now. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to something less depressing? Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My next question oh, no, is going to be... The next one is about PhDs. Is that less depressing? Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on the answer, doesn't it? So <laughs> how are you doing with your PhD? Um, more specifically, the question was, um, has your productivity and maybe more importantly, your expectations about your productivity been very different to usual? I'm interested in knowing your thoughts on you, Kate. (laughs) Um, so I think my productivity is about the same, but it's in a different way. So I've been finding in the past, I used to have like uh the odd day when I wasn't doing very well but mostly I would kind of get something done every day and but I'd have periods of most days where I'd be like oh can't be bothered for like an hour or so whereas now I'm having entire days where I just I'm not concentrating and not getting anything done but then I'll have an entire day where I'm working really hard um and getting quite a lot done so it sort of balances out overall but it's I think either I'm in the mood to focus and block everything out or I'm really in not in that mood <laughs> so yeah I don't know my expectations are not any different but I feel like maybe they should be um and I'm trying to like on the days where I'm having a really bad day and not not very motivated I'm trying to just accept that rather than be mad at myself but that's easier said than done what about you being mm. there's there's my living situation helps me massively and hinders me massively and I'm just having to ride that so Josh is a key worker so um since he's been back at work post social isolation period then he 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 works for open reach oh this was something I wanted to say about the surprising actually it surprised me the 5g Mm. escalation so I at first I sort of laughed about it a little bit but like it's actually become quite serious. So people have been taking pictures of him at work and like people have been like verbally assaulted and like things set on fire. It's like genuinely quite unsettling. Um, anyway, that's a separate issue. Um, yeah, so Josh is a key worker and so he gets up and leaves about, he leaves the house about 10 past seven. And so I generally wake up just after, well, just before he leaves. And so 
his routine has helped me, I guess, have a bit of a routine still going to bed at a, a kind of normal time and getting up early and stuff. Um, and also him just not being here all the time is quite good because it's like something we can talk about when we get home because we've not been together all day. And also it's good for him because he will go crazy if he was at home. He'd really, really struggle. So that's been, that's actually helped my productivity in a way. On the flip side, I live with someone else who's a key worker, but is only going in about once a week, maybe once every fortnight and can't work from home. And so therefore is doing other things and other projects and I, I find it really distracting, <laughs> mainly just because I'm like, oh, I want to sunbathe or <laughs> like whatever it is, you know, not do work. Um, or even just I think when I'm in a real academic mode, I do find it really difficult to. I didn't realise the extent to which I just get into a zone and don't talk to anyone all day. And now I have to get used to that. But that's not a significant problem. It's just one to navigate. But it's making me appreciate my own space a lot more. So, like I've said before, having a kid is just a disaster when you're at home <laughs> and trying to do some work. Um, because they're fun to be around and need attention. And you could, I can only work so much in the evenings. I am just get, get tired. Because my baby wakes up at six um, every day. So that's not ideal. Um but, you know, I, I'm doing interviews, so they, they're as productive as they possibly can be. And actually, I'd have to say video call interviews, I think, compare very favourably to the face-to-face in terms of rapport. They're fine. Uh, I've done, you know, I've done both. And these have been really good. People are relaxed. They're in their homes. They know how to use this, the software really well. They can be, if they're not using video, they can just use Skype as an audio and be on a walk which has happened. So um, that's been super productive. But yeah, other than that, ki- yeah, just having a family, just having a kid. Yeah. I know. Oh, and, and I was going to say, I think we've meant, well, B, you've said this before. Just, it was not going to happen in the first couple of weeks of this pandemic panic. Uh, you have, like, need you need time to adjust to the new reality. And I, I guess I took it. Uh, but I've seen people talking on Twitter, I think, about um, people trying to remain productive, but just having a, you know, burning out and uh, uh, not doing very well because, you know, they they hadn't taken their mental time to, the time to mentally adjust. So I did did need to do that. Yeah, I put that, I put some stuff on our kind of show notes that we were preparing for this about, there's been some really good um, stuff around people that have worked a lot with people going through trauma and like war and I think there's lots of there's there's a lot it's a lot is problematic about the war analogy for various reasons particularly around the kind of expected deaths type stuff but I think what is helpful is recognizing that it is a trauma and it's a massive disruption and so all of the sort of things around you're not working at home you're at your home you know during a crisis trying to work and um, that you need that time to adjust mentally and to get into a new routine and yeah and taking that time and space and but I think it really reveals the different kind of inequalities that there are because there are people that are like maybe don't have certain stresses or distractions or whatever it is and so seem to be doing all this wonderful stuff and then there's others who really you know I've been on meetings with faculty staff and the, their kids are walking in and 
one of them described herself as covered in children and then she turned the webcam on and I was like, oh my gosh, you literally are covered in them. Because <laughs> she's got little ones. So it's like, you know, yeah. I think I'm lucky because I don't have caring responsibilities. And so actually having my partner at home has been great because he he found it quite hard at first to work from home, but now he's got used to it. He is very productive and even though I think some people would find this very annoying and I might in long term find it very annoying. He started like telling me to work. <laughs> <laughs> so like today I was sat, and yesterday in fact, I was sat playing a computer game at lunchtime and I find it very difficult to get, to stop playing computer games because you lose track of time. And he was like, you need to get back to work. You've been doing that for like an hour. And I was like, okay. But actually it's been great because he isn't doing it too much. And actually he just is like, gave me a bit of accountability that normally I don't have. So if normally if I played a computer game at lunchtime, I would probably play it till three o'clock and then be like, oh shit, <laughs> I haven't done any work. <laughs> what um, game is that? Oh, Minecraft. Because <laughs> oh, I'm, right. I'm a 10 year old boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I've been playing The Sims and today when I was tidying up my office, I... Uh, I discovered Rollercoaster Tycoon, so... Oh, so wow. good. I have that on my computer. I'm going to get on that. I deleted all my <laughs> computer games when it started, actually, because I knew I'd play um, PUBG all the time, which is like a battle royale, blow people up thing. Mm -hmm. I thought that's not very healthy in many ways, so anyway. Shall I do the last question? Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything that you've learned about yourself or this experience that you want to share? Ben? <laughs> um come back to me okay well shall i tell you something that i've learned yeah and then yeah. give you a chance to reflect so i had i have a mentor through the university um and she's great although actually she's new i hadn't had her before um because my last person had left and so i had a i met her for the first time on video chat which was interesting <laughs> um anyway i was talking to her about like struggling with motivation and but also in a more general sense of how I've struggled throughout my PhD. And one of the things, one of the themes that we identified was that I've always, and now especially, I'm struggling with uncertainty. And I think, and I was like, she was like, oh, have you got any techniques of how to deal with that? And I was like, not really. Um, and so then we were talking about it and actually I came to the conclusion that for me and probably for a lot of people, uncertainty is really important actually because that is what gives you hope um and also gives you sorry i'm getting a bit preachy now um gives you motivation because i if like if i like it was in the context originally of my interviews that i'd done with participants and how it was really bleak in some of the interviews like hearing the situation they were in and how then i had to walk away from that and not be able to do anything to help them and I was left with this uncertainty about what was going to happen to them. But actually, the fact that there is uncertainty means that, first of all, it can get better as well as the fact that it can get worse. But also, it means that it might be possible for us to influence the situation. So I guess this kind of ties back to what I was saying before about um, how there's there's a bit of a void of information at the moment. And so we kind of have the chance to fill it. And so if we take that as an uncertainty as a good thing, we can use it as a motivation because it means that there's a possibility that it can get better as well as that it might be rubbish. So we've got to 
try and see the positive. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. I have got one actually. Um, so I've realized that we just, phys- we just can't mentally cope with all this and we, mm-hmm. nor, nor should we be expected to. Uh, and I've been terrible at like blocking out climate chaos and all this sort of stuff in the past and uh, really uh, got quite uh, mentally unwell with it. I, ah, I mean, down in the dumps, let's say, I don't know. Um, so anyway, I've, I've realised that I can focus on being productive and, and things that are useful, like doing the garden up and all that sort of thing, um, which before I wouldn't have done because I was trying to take on the weight of the world, but now I just, li- you just can't do it. So I think uh, actually that's probably quite a positive going forward. Um, I'll be able to cope with adversity better just by like maybe just blocking it out. I don't know if that's healthy, but it's could be useful. Well, no, I think that's good because I think if you kind of combine R2, then you can try and find the ways that you can make a difference, but you've got to be realistic about it. So yeah. you can't just change the world, but it might be that there's something small you can do. Um, and so it's just finding what that is. Yeah. Oh, and I guess what I've realised is like, people are being so ridiculous about um, being flippant about thousands of people dying that they're on Twitter. There really is no point engaging with them because they're just being <laughs> like, yeah. you're not going to change their minds. I mean, they're doing it for a reason. So yeah, don't, you know, block, eat, block be, be uh, sensibly blocking things out and doing things that are productive and wholesome and uh, just ignore people who, who don't, don't bring you joy or whatever. I'm being good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Me? Mm, I don't, I think my lessons that I've learned about myself are kind of still pending. I, I definitely think there's combinations of what you two have said. And I think there's definitely something about, um, I'm quite a determined person. And part of my determination is like always kind of looking kind of the future into the next thing and I am still doing that to some extent like I was talking about earlier in terms of politics but I think what this whole experience has really done is it's the uncertainty that you were talking about Kate is that like there is no I can't look forward to anything (laughs) which is really hard for me because I get quite low and when I'm quite low I like have things to look forward to like a holiday or seeing friends or I don't know something that kind of helps me feel like I've got direction in my life and that I'm moving forward and I'm not just stuck. And so it's really hard to not be able to say when the next time I'm going to be able to do some of the things that I'm really craving are. But I also know that they will come eventually. And also that in my here and now I am okay and I am getting by and I've got lots and lots of things that I'm enjoying. And, you know, we talk about mindfulness and living in the moment and taking things day by day and all of these kind of things. But I think this whole process, like it really is that, like I cannot really make plans for beyond the immediate few days or next week, even it's just having to take it a day at a time. And it's not necessarily something I figured out yet, but I think it's probably going to be a good process for me that I'm still working out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds like we are all, Reflecting and learning from this, even so if it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so reflective. <laughs> Can I um, introduce a new feature, not on the uh, show notes? Have you, has anyone got any good podcast recommendations for lockdown? Yeah. Go on, B. Oh, well, it's just all my save. It's all my favourite lockdown. It's all my favourite podcast anyway. <laughs> uh, I've what- got a couple of new ones, actually. 
So there's a podcast by Brene Brown, who I is American psychologist, mm. um, and she's from Texas, so her accent is slightly annoying, but she's really wise. Um, and she's been talking about like coping with all the shit in the world, basically. So that that's quite a good one. I saw I her, what TED, it's called, but. her TED talk was about vulnerability, I think. That's the, yes. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. Name. Okay. Here's my recommendation. And it's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea, but there's a podcast called Insight Hour. Um, and Joseph Goldstein is like this American, like New York, maybe great accent. And he's a Buddhist and he basically pick an episode you like the sound of and uh, it's really nice to help you reflect and um, really calming and enjoyable and totally detached from everything around us, but helps you deal with life, I think. I'm not a preachy mm. uh, religious person, far from it, but, um, you know, I think it's nice. My favourite at the moment is This Is Love, which is by the people that make the podcast Criminal. And what I like about it is that it is about examples of, I suppose, real love, but they're kind of weird and unexpected, but quite kind of wholesome. It's very wholesome content. Nice. So check out that wholesome content. <laughs> There's also a related one called You'll Do, which is <laughs> two comedians. I can't remember their names. Catherine Bohart, I think. And someone else. Anyway, they're a couple and they have couples on and talk to them about romantic love and the realities of it. So it's not just like the, the idea is it's not about like Instagram love. It's about like what it's actually like to be in a relationship with someone. And that's quite good. So while we're talking about love, that one's another good one. And it's funny. Honestly, that's too much for me already. I feel a bit sick. <laughs> like I um, this is. Yeah, I shouldn't have been getting married. I can't cope with it. It's too much. <laughs> oh, it's not that soppy though. No, they like complain about one person always says take the bins out and stuff. It's great. <laughs> okay. All right. I might be able to do that. So thanks for listening to our podcast on uh, life under lockdown. We hope it has been cathartic, but positive experience for you like it has been for us. In the next couple of episodes, we will be discussing how the last decade of austerity in the UK has affected the position we're in now facing coronavirus. And in a return to the themes of our earlier series, how our experiences of data collection have been during the PhD. Thanks for listening to this podcast and see you next time. Bye. Awkward bye. Awkward bye. <laughs> Thanks for reading out the words in square brackets. <laughs> if you'd like to ask questions or have your say on the issues we're discussing, you can find us on Twitter at universe underscore social. Or you can email us at social.universe at outlook.com. Thanks for joining us and hope you enjoyed this trip around the social universe. 